Morning, church. We're in a study of 1 John. We're calling it Blessed Assurance. It's a short letter. It's about 105 verses. You can go home and read it quickly. You can read it by the time I'm done preaching today. It was written to some folks who were, who, who were experiencing false teaching, and they needed some assurance. The false teachers were known as Gnostics, and the Gnostics said, you need to know some stuff. Not only do you need to know some stuff to have assurance, you need to know what they know. They claim some extra privileged, entitled knowledge. So they were saying there was some extra knowledge you needed to know. People who would say, yeah, you can be saved, but here's what you need to know. So just so you know, those people still exist today in just about any church. Here's what the Bible says on what you need to do to have assurance, but... You also need to know and do 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So, um, John writes and he says, here's what you need to know. And we've mentioned that he uses the word know, knows, acknowledge, acknowledge, knowledge over 40 times. He says, here's what you need to know. So to combat the false teachers who would say, no, 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 here's what you need to know, John writes and says, no, here's what you need to know. And he showed them. So today, here's, I, I need to, we're, we're going to take a test. We're going to do a true-false test. And here's what you need to know. So if you didn't grow up in the Church of Christ, you might not have as much fun with this as I do. But this is what I grew up with. So don't say your answers out loud. Just keep your answers to yourself. So um, I, I want to see what you know. The Bible clearly states that the use of instruments in worship is wrong. And if you use instruments, you're sinning and will not be saved. Don't say your answer out loud. Because <laughs> there's people in this audience that would probably go on both sides of that. You're aware of that. The Bible clearly states that if you do not worship in a building with the words Church of Christ, that you're sinning and will not be saved. I, I threw some fun ones in here. The Bible clearly states that the head of the woman is the man. I might have said that with a little different attitude than what the Bible says. Again, things I grew up with. The Bible clearly states that mixed swimming, swimming with someone of the opposite sex, is sinful unless you're married. True or false? The Bible clearly states that women cannot teach an adult class if men are present in the room. The Bible... Some of y'all quit laughing. The Bible <laughs> clearly states that we're to wash one another's feet. The Bible clearly states that we are to meet on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. The Bible clearly states that churches are not to build gymnasiums or fellowship rooms or education wings or youth buildings or support children's homes or combine with another church to fund a missionary or ministry project. The Bible clearly states that women, when attending worship, this is what I grew up with, must wear a dress and never a pantsuit or anything polyester. <laughs> the Bible clearly states that women are to dress modestly, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or expensive clothes. Ouch. Um, 
The Bible clearly states that if you're sick, you're to call the elders and they're going to come to your house and pray and they will anoint your head with oil. Buckle up. (laughs) The Bible clearly states that if you're wrong on any of these questions, that you're going to spend eternity in hell. The Bible clearly states that all of these questions and how you answer these questions are a salvation issue. Okay, so how'd you do? Did you, did you pass the test? You might be thinking, well, Richie, you didn't give us the answers. Well, that's because there are going to be a variety of true-false on every question in this room, in any room, in any church. Because depending on who you ask, you're going to get different answers, but here's where I'm going with this. The answers to those questions are not what you need to know. Here's what I mean. How you answer those questions is not a right and wrong issue. How you answer those questions is not a salvation issue. So John's going to write in 1 John chapter 4, and he's going to say, here's what you need to know, and you need to put it to the test. He's going to give us a test. So let's read. He says, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. To see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges, there's our word no, that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So you remember last week he told us when it comes to our hearts and we beat ourselves up. He says give your hearts a rest. This week, he's going to say, give it a test. So last week, give it a rest. This week, give it a test. So, John's going to give us a test, and he says in chapter 4, there's two things that you need to know. If you want to have assurance of salvation, it's real simple. Now, I've grown up with people not making it simple. I've told you before that I've had people that have said, if somebody comes to our church and they want to be a member of our church or they want to be, a, want to be baptized, you've got to ask them all the right questions. What are the right questions? Because everybody has different questions. John says, I'm going to give you two. Here's two things you need to know to have assurance of salvation. And the first one, he said... Here's another translation. Don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. There are a lot of lying people in the world. Here's how you test for the genuine Spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came as an actual flesh and blood person, comes from God and belongs to God. You need to know that. You need to know that. All right? So important is this question that we ask people to make the confession to acknowledge, to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You need to know and believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came in the flesh. You need to know that. John says this is an identifying mark of a Christ follower. You need to know that. There are a lot of things that are not salvation issues. This one is not up for discussion. You need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is 
the Son of God. And so John said, here's the test. Do you know Jesus? Have you acknowledged Jesus? Have you confessed Jesus? Same word, same Greek word. Listen, again, we've made a lot of things salvation issues that we shouldn't make salvation issues. You may disagree with me, but instrumental music and the role of women in buildings and gyms and fellowship rooms are not salvation issues. But what you know about Jesus and what you believe about Jesus is not up for question. The false prophets were saying all kinds of things about Jesus. And you need to know that not every religion defines Jesus the same way. Not every church defines Jesus the same way. Not every Christian defines Jesus the same way. But John says, here's one thing you need to know. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came in the flesh? Again, so important is that question that if you decide you want to be baptized, we will ask you that question. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Now... John says it's all about Jesus. Jesus is essential to your salvation, period. We can disagree on a lot of things. We shouldn't disagree on Jesus. Jesus is essential to your salvation. This is the only salvation issue. I believe, just me, that when we stand before God, God's going to say, did you know my son... And what would you do in response to my son? And all the other stuff that we want to make salvation issues, we need to know Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He must be at the core of what we teach. He must be the only thing we teach. There's a lot of discussions that we have with people, and we never even mention Jesus. We'll mention all this other garbage, and we'll never talk about Jesus. And John said, here's one thing you need to know. We need to talk to people about Jesus, share Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you acknowledged Jesus? This is one thing you need to know. Now, he says there's one more thing. We've talked about this one more thing, but I'm going to read the rest of chapter 4. I'm pretty sure you're going to get the idea of what the other thing is. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us. We know, there's our word know, we know that we live in Him and He in us because He's given us of His Spirit. We've seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in Him, and He in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. That's a assurance, a confidence we want to have because in this world we're like Him. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because He first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he's not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. Now, two things. The first is, we need to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He repeated that. 
If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. That's the first thing you need to know. The second thing is we need to love our brothers. We need to love our brothers. He's already talked about this. This is earlier in 1 John. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there's nothing in him to make him stumble. We know that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers. He's already showed us that when we love, it proves that we're children of God. When we love, it proves that we have fellowship with God. He emphatically, in the verses we just read, he emphatically illustrates that love is the ultimate test. Love is the ultimate test. For years, we have preached and emphasized right doctrine. And that's good. For years, we've preached and insisted on right teaching. And that's good. But John says the ultimate test that gives you assurance, the identifying mark that you are a child of God, is how you love. Straight from the mouth of Jesus. By this all men will know if you are my disciples, if you love one another. Even Jesus does not say it's all about right doctrine. It's all about right church. It's all about the right sign out front. Even Jesus emphasizes it's all about love. Or as Paul says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not love others... I'm just making a bunch of noise. It's all about love. I'm going to go so bold as to say it doesn't matter how much you believe. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter how much you've read your Bible. It doesn't matter what church you attend. If you don't love people, if you don't love your brother, John would say, then you're not a real Christ follower. Love is the ultimate test Love is the identifying mark. Love is the ultimate test that we've been born of God. The world doesn't understand. The world understands love, but the world doesn't understand love the way that God loves. So, he keeps coming back to the same test. He says, if you love your brother, show it. There's got to be some action. If you love your brother, show it. He hits this topic so hard. In those 15 verses we just read, he used the word love 27 times. Don't blow through those verses and miss what he's saying. If you go into chapter 5, verse 3, another three verses, he uses the word love 31 times. Mm. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest command? Love God, love others. You read through the Old Testament, it's all about love. You read through the New Testament, it's all about love. You read through the Bible, it's all about love. And if we're not careful, we'll blow right through those verses like, eh, I, I saw it. Why should we love one another? Number one, because of who God is. He says God is love. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. John says, if you aren't going to love, if you don't show your love, then you're not born of God. You're not one of God's children. Now, please note, I don't, I don't think John is saying that you cannot love if you're not a Christian. John is not saying you don't 
no love if you are not a Christian. I think John is saying that you can't love the way God loves unless you're a child of God, unless you have a new nature, unless you have received His Spirit. So one, we love because of who God is. Number two, we love because of what God did. He says, this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. John says that our love for God is a response to His love. God doesn't love us because we love Him. God initiated the love. And what God has initiated must be imitated. And that's what we're called to do. God doesn't just talk about love. God demonstrated His love. God showed His love. God put His love into action. God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, folks, had God not done something, we would spend eternity in hell. Had God not done something, we'd be dead in our sins and transgressions. Had God not done something, we would experience the wrath of God, and we would live in guilt, and we would live in fear. Number three, why should we love one another? Because of what God is still doing. He says, God is still living in us. Six times in this passage, he uses the word live, or abide, or dwell. If we love one another, God lives, abides, dwells, tabernacles, takes up residence. He's living in us, and His love is made complete in us. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives, abides, dwells, tabernacles, takes up residence in that person, and he and God. Listen, real Christians are born of God. And if we're born of God, then we receive the Spirit of God. And if we receive the Spirit of God, then God lives in us. And if we have the Spirit of God, then we have a new nature. And if we have a new nature, we can't help but love our brothers. That's what we're called to do. Love one another. Notice again what he says in chapter 4, verse 20. Which is why I put, notice again what he says in 1 John 4.20. If anyone claims for the seventh time in this letter, if anyone says, if anyone claims, I love God, but hates his brother, he doesn't speak to his brother, he doesn't forgive his brother, he's rude to his brother, he's annoyed by his brother, that man is a liar. Strong words. Strong words. Again, we can talk about right doctrine all day long. But if we're not going to show love, that right doctrine is wrong doctrine. We've got to love. If you're going to claim to be a Christ follower, you have to love your brother. You don't have a choice. It's a responsibility. It's our calling. It's our new nature. You can't love God and not love your brother. Oh, it's just about me and God. Nope, you got to love your brother. Got to love your brother. Listen, if you cannot love your brother, either you're not a Christ follower, 
or you are willfully sinning against the Spirit who calls us to love one another. And we don't want to choose disobedience. We want to love. John says there must be some evidence that you're born again. There's got to be some identifying mark so that people know that we are Christ followers. And that evidence, that identifying mark is love. Love is proof that we are children of God. Love is proof that we've been born again. So God doesn't just want us to experience His love. He wants us to express His love to one another. We're not just the objects of the love of God. We're agents of the love of God. What the world needs is to see us as we love one another. Listen, church, I, I, I think we can be wrong on a lot of things. I, I hope you're not planning on standing before God to convince Him of how right you've been your whole life. Because we've been wrong our whole life. While we were still sinners, we want to stand before God and He's going to say, Did you know my son? What would you do with him? Did you know my son? Did you love your brother? Did you know my son? Did you love your brother? That's what John says in chapter 4. It's real simple. Did you know my son? Did you love my, your brother? Now, we need to confess that Jesus Christ is God. That's the word acknowledge. You need to know Jesus Christ is the Son of God and you need to love your brother. It's not up for discussion. And John says, when you do those two things, when you confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and you show the love of God to your brothers, you can have assurance. You can put your head on your pillow at night knowing that you're doing what God has asked you to do, and you can have that assurance. Let's pray.